This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome to Elk Shape Podcast number 33. Me, Dan, the fitness man, talking to Zach Bohe today of Hunt DIY, guy from Idaho. He's a pretty prolific writer in the industry for years now. He's got articles and all over in magazines and blogs and family man, blue collar, do-it-yourself type of guy and been hoping to get him on here for quite a while and finally did. We talk about the hunting industry as a whole and how to kind of get your foot in the door there. I think a lot of people will find that interesting. We talk about kind of each of our perspective and how we got into it and, and where we're at with it. We also talk about his most ridiculous hunting season lined up ever. He's got a very aggressive hunting season coming up and he's going all over and we talk about how he makes that happen for himself, working a regular nine to five job and how he balances family time and riding and scouting and hunting and training. And we even go over kind of some basic elk tactics here in Idaho as well as other places and and how to dig in on getting in on elk and some of the mistakes both of us have made throughout the years and things that you should probably consider when you're doing some scouting and online scouting and trying to figure out where you can go and get yourself elk hunting. So as far as people looking to break the elk hunting learning curve, this is an excellent resource. And uh, Zach's just a solid dude. Just wanted to thank our sponsors, Hard Work Discipline, Delayed Gratification, and Not Making Excuses for Yourself. Thank you for sponsoring the show. And if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, all you got to do is go to the Elk Shape website and check out my free workouts and do them and get your butt in the best shape you can for elk hunting season. Control what you can control. We have Elk Shape swag and training programs on there as well. You can check out the YouTube channel. It is called Elk Shape. And uh, hit me up if you have any questions. You can direct message me on Instagram. Follow me at, at DanTheFitnessMan. And we look forward to Elk hunting season is just about here, so if you're listening to this while you're on the road heading to your first hunt of the year, good luck, and we'll catch you on the next one. Elk Shape Podcast number 33 with me, Dan the Fitness Man, bringing on a fellow DIY hunter, Zach Bohe from Idaho. What's up, brother? 
not much. Just uh, another day living the dream. Yeah, man. You uh crazy hunting fool, aren't you? I yeah, I'm kinda into it. I go all I can. So All right. Um, now I've listened to you on the Rich Outdoors podcast. Um I know you've been on a bunch of others. So like we were t- talking beforehand, I want to get some topics covered that you haven't personally covered um, and get to know you better from like, I don't know, just an, an authentic approach. So let's just start with, take us through today. Like we'll just start today. Tell us about your day, man. Like how it goes down as a blue collar guy getting ready for hunting season and and your normal boring everyday stuff you got to do. Oh just- man, just got up early, went to, headed to work. Um well, I'm doing this new crazy, this new crazy diet. So, uh, my big uh, built my big lunch of the day because I was out in a water truck all day watering where grading roads. Um, got off work, uh, went to a school board meeting. I'm on the school board in my little town. Um, straight from there, just came home, um, hung out with the family, ate some dinner, had to go get some arrows cut off from my daughter. She's gonna try bow hunting this year, and I broke my arrow saw. So went to my brother's and cut some arrows and man, straight home and they're out playing badminton right now and I'm in here on a podcast. So All right. Where do you work at, man? I work for a road and bridge department in our in Idaho where I live. So, All right. And yeah. so how long have you been racking up the career there? <laughs> oh geez. Um almost like I guess eighteen years now. So okay. I started I was uh tw- well I, I started full time when I was twenty. I I worked for a couple summers before that part time before I became full time. So I've been there eighteen years full time. So Alright. So you're probably close to the same age as me. How old are you? Thirty eight. Yeah. Thirty nine okay. August thirty first. So Okay. I turned thirty seven August eleventh. So you're you're closer to forty than me, bro. Oh, and I know my kids reminded me on a daily basis. So, so you but. you work for the the state basically, the county, the county. Yeah, yep. So just operate equipment, drive truck, just do kind of do everything. Plow snow in the winter, fix the roads in the summer. Just keeps us busy. But the one good thing is it affords me quite a bit of time off for fall. So that's a good thing for me. Like how much time off? Are you saving it all for hunting? Yeah, I mean, I usually will do. We usually do one, you know, family vacation. This year we didn't. We just got a lot of other stuff going on. But yeah, I usually I usually take. I don't work in September ever, so, and then usually I'll take half of October off. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot, a couple hundred hours every fall. So, do you think you could be as successful as you have been on less time, or do you feel like time is? part of the equation for hunting success archery or whatever weapon i i mean i think it's for anything but i i mean you're you're an archery elk hunter like i am i think that i think your most valuable tool is time everybody that asks me you know what's the key to success and i just think it's time lots and lots of time so i've just spent hundreds of days hunting elk and not that i have it all figured out but i've sure figured out a lot in those hundreds of days you know so Dude, what do you say to these poor bastards that have like three-day weekends or even just weekends and maybe they take one week off so they have like a Friday through a Sunday, maybe nine days straight and that's what they get like. Yeah, it's, <sighs> it's rough, man. My but One of my main butt, uh, hunting buddies is Matt Elliott. He's from Oregon. I don't know if you know him. He's the marketing director for Benchmade Knives. Um, 
he's one of my main hunting buddies and he doesn't get a lot of time off because he's you know he's a corporate dude in a big business and uh it's exactly what he said he'll show up friday evening and he's got to leave the next saturday you know and a lot of times he goes home and he's disappointed i'm like dude you had six days to hunt elk this year yeah, yeah I mean, and one of those days time. could be like you could have wildfires which has been real prevalent yeah. in the last i would say five to ten years and you could have um the storms come in like last year where it just dumps oh, rain and snow for three or four days that's when we that's when he's here last year man it was just like we just got hammered with snow and rain and, and which is fine we hunted but it's just you know how the, the wind that comes with that you know every elk that we got close to we'd get them close the wind would switch on us and they were just gone he passed up a spike the first day at 10 yards and that was the only bull i mean we had other bulls close but that was the only shot we had when he was there you know so now, I remember reading some of your articles in Western Hunter Magazine. That's when I first, like, knew of you. Kind of, I mean, social media was there. But, I mean, when I say social media, I mean, like, Instagram and mainly Instagram seems like the best way to, like, you can direct message anyone you want. And a lot yeah, of times they'll respond. And all of a sudden now you're, like, you're kind of on the hook. People can track you down. Yeah, um, you can choose right. to ignore those messages, which I do frequently, but uh, I try yeah. to answer a lot. But like social media has changed quite a bit. But back in your early writing days, uh, were you just trying to get like, you know, published a little bit, kind of get your foot in the industry? Or are you in the industry? Do you have one foot in? Like, how do you balance that? Man, it's it's rough. Like I'm so I, I wrote I actually wrote my first magazine article in 08 and I wrote that for Bow Hunting World magazine. Okay. And not not Bow Hunting World, I, I'm lying to you. I wrote it for Bow and Arrow Hunting magazine. And mm -hmm. uh just kind of on a whim, um I had a guy ask me to use a picture for an article and uh I was like, "Man, I kind of want to write my own articles." He says, "Well, I got a, you know, I got a contact for Joe Bell, the editor I was gonna of say, Bow Joe Hunting. Bell, man. I've written for Joe. He's a stud." Yeah, and, uh, so I had written this care. I'd done a uh, self-guided caribou hunt on the Hall Road, and I wrote this article. And I, you know, I just thought, heck, I'll send it to him. And I send it to Joe at like this time in the evening. And like an hour later, he emails me back. He's like, "I want to buy your article." And I was like, "Holy crap! This guy actually wants to buy my article!" You know, so yeah. so it just kind of started at that. I just it was it was cool that it wasn't about money. It was just it was just cool that I got published in a magazine I'd looked at forever. And bow and arrow hunting, if you remember, was always kind of cool because it was kind of was more western theme than the than a lot of them were you know and so and technical archery like joe bell's a genius yeah he is he's awesome so so i did that and then uh it just kind of snowballed from there i wrote you know i kind of wrote a little more and i thought it was kind of fun and then it's just something i've got more and more into and uh i became friends with you know i, I, I wrote for eastman's for a while and i uh, became well, i actually met nate simmons elk hunting in idaho and we became buddies before he even worked at eastman's and then I started writing a little bit when he was there, and then he left, and and uh, I didn't stay much longer. I, I wrote a little, uh, I wrote for like a year and a half for Eastman's, and then uh, started writing for the Western Hunter, and it's just kind of snowballed. And I'm kind of on the, I'm kind of on the tipping point now where you talk about balance. It's like, oops, sorry, get a call. <laughs> You're good. I'm on the tipping point now, you know, like where I think I can do this full time, but it's a scary step to take when you got a wife and kids, you know, dependent on you. And so it's a tough balance. Cause I, I got a lot of opportunity to write and some of them I have to turn down. And so I just, I do what I can and I, and trying to do my other thing, my online deal I'm doing now, it, it keeps me damn busy. A lot of nights like this up when, when the kids are getting ready for bed and I'm, I'm still cranking on stuff, but I don't know. It's kind of fun. I love that. 
Well, I'm going to dig deep, deeper on this stuff because we're in the same boat. So, okay, so your online stuff, what is your vision or, or what's the direction that is it DIYHunter.com? It's called, it's called Hunt DIY. Hunt DIY. I love the name. I love yeah. the concept. Yeah. I love everything yeah. about it. What's the vision for that? So, the, over the years, what you said, social media, everybody can track you down on social media now, right? And so, all of a sudden, like five years ago, I just had start guys start hitting me up out of the blue on Facebook, and I guess it was mostly Facebook at that time. And just it's guys, especially from back east, a lot of them just they have no idea that they're figuring it out now. But it seems like they just like no idea that for fifteen hundred dollars you can just go elk hunting every year, you know. And so they started they started hitting me up, and I just started thinking, you know. Everybody online, like all these shows and everything is like me, 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 look at me. And I thought, let's create something that helps these guys, that shows them, you know, this is the gear you should use, or this is the gear we use that works for us, and you can use this or something similar. You know, this is a tactic you can use to make it better. So um, we, we are filming some of our hunts, but more than anything, like the whole goal of it, and we've had some problems, like obviously money is, money is always an issue, but we got the right guys in place now, but just we just want to create something where guys can come to it and be like, oh, okay, that's that's a good tip, you know, that's a idea on how to decoy an elk in, or that's a idea of why I should use that piece of down over a different piece of down, you know, and so basically just a resource to show guys how to come out west and do what we want to do, and so it's a it's a double edged sword because none of us want to see more guys hunting, you know, but. On the same hand, I'm a non-resident hunter all the time, and so I just I just want everybody to be able to come out and ex- experience what we love to do. So yeah, that's the vision for it. Ultimately, you know, and we've kind of had some. We haven't had the right guy in place with video and stuff, but we hooked up with uh, you know Zach Kenner. Yeah, for sure. He's from my state. He's a stud. Yeah. So Zach is um, actually coming on full time with us now. He's kind of been trying to do the hard work and hunter deal, and we've been doing the hunt DIY thing and and. Zach actually, like, last minute, all of our stuff fell fell through last year, and he came out and filmed a Montana hunt for me last year. And then, man, the guy just – he was the first dude I worked with that not only delivered, but he over-delivered on everything he said. And, and so finally I was just like, dude, why don't we just join forces on this and, and go for it? And so he joined up with us this year. We've got – a ton of stuff planned. We're going to have a ton of content and I'm just super pumped for this fall, what we're going to bring. So, so from the business angle, how do you monetize this to where you could make the jump from working a nine to five or whatever you work basically yeah. your 40 hour a week job where you could jump over into the work a hundred hours a week for yourself job? Well, this part's going to be hard. Like, I mean, we're, we're deaf. We're making, um, we're not making enough money to survive off. We're making enough money to pay for it right now. I feel like it's more like the writing is where I'm going to make my money, and I'm kind of transitioning more into online stuff. I've always done in print, and as you know, print's kind of going away. And so um, we're still trying to figure out this, how we're going to monetize it more. We got some ideas that we're kind of working on, but right now it's just paying for itself. That's all it's doing. Yeah, you, you know, know, companies are super thirsty for content, and it's not like photos. They want like yeah. all because you, you have great tips. I've seen some of them on Facebook. They just like stuff that oh, why didn't I think of that? And it's just what you do, and it's very valuable. And to yeah. me, all the companies that I work with, they're always asking for more content with an article or a video or both. 
I've really slowed down on writing. I used to write a lot too. And I can tell you like just not trying to overcommit and really focus on the things at which I can make time for and do really well, at least do as well as I want to do. I just want to do anything half ass. And I think a guy could, if a guy could just sit there and write all day, you could sell your stuff to everybody needs something for their blog. They just are thirsty for content and it pays about similar to writing. Writing never paid that great, but you know, it's about volume. Yeah. And that's my deal. Like I don't have the time. Like if, if, if I was single, I'd be doing it right now and I wouldn't trade my family for nothing. Like, but if I was single, I could live on way, way less. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I feel like I could make the money writing because I have the context and I've got 10 years worth of networking, you know, and I, and I can sell stuff writing, like you said, about anywhere I want to, but it's just, I don't have the time to focus on it 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I basically have two or three hours here or there to do it. It's and so, so hard. Yeah. So it's hard, you know, and the, the hunt DIY deal is just like the way, the way we can make it work is, is, you know, how hard it is to build a following now, you know, these, you know, Instagram and Facebook is, it, it baffles me. You look at some guys who do nothing and they have 40,000 followers on Instagram. It's like, how the hell do you have 40,000 followers on Instagram? Cause I'm working my butt off to get 4,000, you know? <laughs> so if, I mean, but if you build that following and, and we're going to put out a ton of content this year and that following is where it's going to, you know, that's where the money's going to come from. If we can build the following enough that the sponsors are willing to pay more money. But, and that's another thing, you know, everybody's so pissed right now in the industry about, oh, he's a sellout. He's got sponsors. It's like, dude, you cannot do this stuff without money. You know? Yeah. People are pissed at the Western Hunter for wearing, you know, when wearing Browning. It's like, you want them for, for this is one of my biggest pet peeves. So you want us, you want them to deliver high end content on a regular basis, but you also, but you don't want them to get paid for anything for it. So you want them to do that all in their free time and bring you world class cinematography for free. That's what you want. So that's, I don't know, it's, it's a struggle in the industry right now with me. So. Well, if, you get what I'm, if you get what I'm saying. I so. do, man. I, I'm one of the guys that's, I think my first article was published in like 2006 and yeah. wrote, 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 and then um, just a little slow to get on the digital stuff, to be honest. But don't don't get it twisted. I don't have a lot of followers either as far as like yeah. relatively speaking. And that number is just relative, you know. I don't have yeah. a million. I don't have 100,000. I don't even have 10,000. Um, I don't really care. Like I don't want to make hunting a job ever. Yeah. So I've come to peace with, I'm just going to do me and whatever sticks to the wall sticks, but I'm still going hunting because that's really my ambition. I'm not going to turn this animal down because it's not big enough or, you know, like, oh, I just killed something. I got to get to sell service so I can post it. No, man, that's not me. And if it is me, someone needs to sit me down and have a come to Jesus talk. So yeah. trying to stay authentic and just true to yourself. Um, and I think that's, that's been our deal. Like we refuse on our following. Like, I mean, ob- like I don't care about the following either, but following is where the dollars come from, which is the sad reality of it. You know, if you want to do it full time, that's like people are putting, these companies are putting so much stock in Instagram followers. It's just insane to me. It's not the content you're providing. It's the number of Instagram followers you have. And so that's one thing I've tried to do all along is like, I've tried to just like remain true to myself. I'm just a normal guy who loves hunting his butt off. And 
dude of a lot of hard work. I'm successful on a regular basis. And I think guys can relate to that because they, because the following that I do have, they understand that I'm just a normal dude who has a wife and I have kids and I have kids that I take hunting and they're successful hunters at a very young age, you know? And, and so it's just, I don't know, man, I love hunting and I, I would, I guess I don't want to make it a job, but I guess if it was my job, I get to do what I love every day of my life. So that's not too bad. No, I feel you, man. Well, I I wish you well on that. I mean, it'll come a point in time where you don't have to make that decision. I guarantee it because what you're doing is awesome. I mean, that's why I called you up to to do this is because I really want to get into your brain on elk with the do-it-yourself guy in mind and kind of go over really your non-negotiables, the things that you're not willing to flex on that these guys need to focus on leading up to their hunts coming out west or even the guys that live out here that just they're not good yet you yeah. know and you'll know when you're good because yeah. your freezer yeah. will be full every year I don't, know. I don't know if i'm good yet but i'm trying well, i'm so. sure your freezer is pretty full so let's go over um kind of your your schedule for 2018 it's insanely ridiculous and <laughs> kind of just yeah. we'll just kind of paint the picture of like how crazy a hunting schedule you really have for just a guy, normal guy with three kids yep. and, a, and a normal job and a wife. What's your season looking like? So I guess that opening weekend in Idaho, I'm going to take my daughter who is 13 now. She's finally, well, as of today, she's pulling 37 pounds. And so she has to pull 40 to go bow hunting. Um, she shot a bunch of stuff with a rifle, like more stuff than most grown men. It's ridiculous. But, um, She's, she's drawn so many tags at her age already, it's not even fair. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to take her antelope hunting for the first three days, I'm hoping. Um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so whatever that is, right there around the 15th. Okay. And, and then, like, I have another school board meeting. The only reason I'm staying is because I have a Utah elk tag. I drew a Utah elk tag. I had nine points. I drew in the random pool. I should have had – I should have waited another three or four years right for the tag, but I lucked out. And so – I drew a Utah elk tag. I'm leaving August 21st, and I head to Utah. Um, I'm just going to kind of get the lay of the land for the first few days because obviously that's pretty early. Um, but my last bull tag I had in Utah, there was bulls bugling on the 24th. So okay. you never know. So I'm going to stay there until I kill a big bull or the season's over, and that is September 14th. Um, I'll stay there that whole time, and then I'll come – and so Zach Kenner, we were talking about, he is actually, he had moved to Alaska last year in August 17th, I believe. He moved to Alaska last year just to hunt sheep. And so he gets his residency on the 17th of August. And so he's going to be hunting doll sheep. And as soon as he gets a sheep, he's going to fly to Utah and be with me. <clears throat> and then we'll come back to Idaho and him and I will both have elk tags and we'll hunt elk for the rest of September, whether that's three weeks or two weeks, whatever it is. And then I'll, I'll go back to work for a few days in October. My uh, my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, drew a really good bull tag in Idaho that opens October 1st. And so <clears throat> a rifle tag. And so – but they my, my kids go to three-day school weeks in Idaho where I live. And so I'll get Friday, Saturday, Sunday with her for a few weeks there. And, well, until October 9th, I will pack in for my rifle deer season in Idaho. And I'll hunt a few days until the weekend rolls around, and then I'll go back. I'll pack back out and uh, hunt with her. And then October 23rd, I will leave for Arizona. I drew a Kaibab rifle mule deer tag. And 
I'll go hunt that until November 4th. Me and my brother both drew tags and then straight back here to Idaho. Um, Matt, my buddy from Oregon, drew an elk tag, muzzleloader elk tag, and my dad both have that tag. And I'll film that hunt with them. And then um, Thanksgiving week, I'm going to Montana to the breaks to film my buddy Robert Hanneman and his kids on a deer hunt over there that I went last year and I didn't draw this year. Somehow I didn't draw. I don't know how. But that pretty much wraps it up, other than wolf and coyote hunting next winter. But that's pretty full season so far. Good, so. good Lord. <laughs> God bless yeah. your wife. Y'all, she's a saint. And, and uh, yeah, she's pretty awesome. She goes with me as much as she can, but obviously she's got three little kids at home, and our daughters are both in sports now and stuff, so it keeps her pretty busy. But, yeah, for sure. Well, let's yeah. let's key in on a couple of those hunts and pick your drink. <laughs> All right. So – Oh man, I'm dying. To, are you going to tell me where you're going in Utah, or is that top secret? Oh man, that's a tough one. Okay, How about don't I do after it. the season. How about I don't tell you on the podcast? Don't do it. I don't want to put you there because I'm going to Nevada, and you can just go look it up. And I'm, yeah, I know, man. I hate that. That's the stupid <laughs> thing ever. So. so, guys, I'm hunting the northeast corner of Nevada. Gosh darn it. Yeah. I'll save you the a search, but you know, have I ever hunted that specific area? No, I haven't. I've been in the garbage wilderness for mule deer and whatnot. And I'm just going east of there. I'm heading down similar time frame to you, and I'm staying till I kill a big bull. I like same game plan as you. Um, early season bulls. We all, we both want to shoot the biggest bulls we can. We're not Ryan um, from DC <clears throat> Outfitters with 100 cameras spread out across the unit. So, in fact, I can't. Choke cameras are banned in Nevada now. I couldn't believe oh, I heard that. that. I've seen that. So, like, so. I had a couple of sweet water holes picked up in Google Earth. I was like, oh, I'm going to put a camera there. And no, no, I'm not. So, um, not wh what are you thinking? Are you setting up shop on Google Earth glassing points that you found and just going to? Yeah, man, I was actually supposed to go. I was, I was supposed to go this weekend, just a couple days ago. But, man, my summer's just running out. And we've been promising our kids a high mountain lake trip with the mules. And so. I bailed on the Utah scouting trip and took my kids to the mountains because I'm going to be leaving them for quite a while soon. So I believe you made the right choice, sir. Uh, really yeah, it was, it was awesome. So, But I've been in the unit four days. I drew a tag in, in um, Utah in a unit south of where I have this tag. I actually won a tag at the Hunt Expo in 2009. And so um, then I drew this tag, and my brother actually won this tag a couple years ago where I'm going. We both won tags at that expo now. And so I spent four days in that unit with him, and it was mid-August, um, I think in, maybe it was three years ago, in 2015. And so I've got an idea, but no, more than likely. I mean, I've been scouring Google Earth and Maps and everything, obviously, but I'm going to go down there before I set a base camp, and I am just going to scour that unit for three days in a pickup on an ATV. A lot of units in, AT in Utah have a lot of ATV trails. Yeah. And so – um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's just it's just like where I had in New Mexico. It was the same thing. There was just roads everywhere, but the elk didn't care. So, so we're gonna go down and cruise all over it, and then set up shop and just go to elk hunting. I actually I have a couple of water holes picked out that I'm gonna try to hunt early. Just water holes and spot and stock, and hopefully they start bugling. But I'm one of those guys who loves calling elk, and I've had to make this. Uh, transition into stocking elk i want to kill bigger bulls but it's tough because i like calling them in so much <laughs> so yeah man i i had a good couple years where i stopped calling and i killed all these big herd bulls and then something happened to me where just seems the last few years i just love calling i've been calling bulls in and then 
last year on a second tag in Idaho, which I don't know if you're a huge fan of, but I bought my second tag per I'm huge. Any of them. So. And uh, didn't make any calls and got in on some really big bulls. And that seems to be the only way I can do it. Gosh darn it, I'd love to call a big bull, and I just haven't really had much success. I've always had to sneak in. So I'm doing yep. the same thing. I'm setting up shop. I'm glassing, and I am bringing a camera guy as well uh, for okay. the first week. And he's yeah. someone I have hunted in Nevada with before he brought a camera in. So he's proven to be just, he doesn't complain. He works really hard. His name's Jacob. He's just a younger kid. I love him to death. And so he's coming with me. But I'm going to, I had Dan Evans, who you and I both probably know. Oh, yeah. Come over to my gym. We pulled up Onyx and he, we went over the, all the units that he'd been in there years ago and yeah. where he killed this Boone and Crockett bull here and there the guy's a stud man he's a stud but when he left i got a scratch in my head i'm like okay we just drop pins every damn mountain range in this whole unit like yeah. i don't even you know where to start every mountain range in the west united states and dan evans killed a boone and crockett bull there so. yeah man he was like literally covers everywhere he found like two units or two mountain ranges he's like well i've always wanted to go over here i just never made over there i'm like dude i have you've given me too many places to go so yeah i gotta figure out where to go first but well, that's where we go with your gut, and hopefully, yep. are you worried about wildfires at all? Oh man, I'm always worried about wildfires, especially. It, well, the weird thing is, we had like a monster. Um, I don't. Do you live in northern Idaho? Is that where you live? I live in Spokane. You know, I live 20 minutes away oh, from Idaho, but my cabin is in Idaho. So we had just like a monster spring this year. You know, man, it rained like crazy, and when we had good, we had good snowfall, but it's just like everything is burning up. So I don't know. Well, like, June we have, 11th is the last time we got rain here that's true yeah we had a monster fire burning like 80 miles from us right now so but yeah i, I know utah a lot of it's on fire right now and it's always a concern you draw a good tag and you go down there and can't see nothing or your unit screwed up but man i don't know what utah does if, if your unit is burning i don't know if they give refunds or what the deal is but i want to go hunt all i know we'll have to get you back on here or you'll have to tell me what to do with my utah points i'm I think I'm right in uh, that good range of not point creep, like a double digit, but just I think 11 or 12. Yeah, you could probably draw where I'm going pretty dang close at least. I, man, I'm just at the point. I am so sick of points, like so sick of points. I can't even ex describe it. I think it's a freaking joke. I did. I cashed in this year, man. I'm serious. Like I did the math uh, through GoHunt. I was like, I can draw Nevada. Are you kidding me? I'll take anything. And so I burned – double digit points in nevada and then i burned double digit points in wyoming i was max, yeah. max points and I'm, i got no regrets i got a hell of a season ahead of me man i'm pumped but points are not good for anyone you know what man, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm 10 points in in wyoming to the tag that when i first started putting in it was six points guaranteed i didn't draw this year with 10 points in the special it's just like oh. come on man. it's ridiculous my dad's 68 trying to get him a tag he can't draw a damn tag hmm. it's just like I don't know, uh, I'm, but you, that's, you don't want to get me going on that. I'm so frustrated with that. But Well, then you have yeah. Colorado bend us all over. I mean, I'm vested oh. deep in Colorado with oh, double-digit so points, good. and then they did that. Explain to people what they did just so we can kind of have a backstory on that. <laughs> so for years, all of us had to pay all of our money in Colorado. So, for example, I have seven points for goats, mountain goats. So I had to send the $2,000 a year every single year and get all these points and now all of a sudden they're going to let everybody in with three points i mean for three dollars yeah, and people for $3. are three dollars 
it's like it's not that everybody's like, well, so that's not that big of a deal. Well, people don't understand it is that big of a deal because there was two thousand people in the point pool before, and now there's fourteen thousand people in the point pool. And so, I mean, yeah, we have more names in the hats, but the number of people in there has quadrupled. I mean, we got three years of jar tags, and we're done. That's 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 it. And and I love that everybody can get in. That's great. But what pisses me off about these game departments is they just keep changing the rules in the middle of the game. I mean, they get us all hooked, and then they change the rules, and I guarantee they're going to change it again. Something happens, they're not getting enough money, they're going to change it again. And, and other then states what? are going to follow because they made a yeah. lot of money off that move. Oh, oh yeah, they went from 2,000, well, it was 2,000 a moose, sheep, and goat to like eleven to 14,000 all those. And then elk, I, I mean, I know the numbers are astronomical, elk and deer. I haven't even looked, but I know it's astronomical. And here I am sitting probably like you with like nine elk points that are worthless in Colorado. Like, why do I even have them? I'm in the same so, boat, man. I'm in the same boat. And, you know, you, Colorado for years was so damn picky. Like, you had to, like, do a separate envelope for each species. Uh, I swear they told you what color of ballpoint pen to use. Yep. And then you had to write the hard check out, which who has checks? You got to go to the bank and get checks just for your apps. And, yep. oh, man, you know what I'm talking about. It's just... All of a sudden, oh, no, all you need is a credit card and $3, and you're in the drawing. Well, thanks a lot. So yeah. it's frustrating, but, I mean, I can't control it. It is what yeah. it is. But, um, well, let's get into, so we, you got your hunts planned up. You're in Idaho. Let's start talking. You and me, team up here, you're the head coach. I'm the assistant coach. Let's talk to our newbies, and they're coming. They're going to come out to hunt Idaho or Colorado, Montana, probably. Those are your, your best over-the-counter areas. Uh, general Montana draw. If you didn't draw that, you can go over-the-counter at Colorado and Idaho. What uh, what should we talk to these guys about as far as non-negotiables? These are the things that you cannot flex on when it comes to like elk hunting rules. Well, here's the one thing that I'm getting a lot of calls on right now. This is probably not what you're talking about, but specifically about the area where I live in central Idaho, where there we have elk that are... So, little backstory. Last, not this winter, the winter before, we had a monster winter. You know that we had a huge winter. Elk caused a lot of problems to a lot of farmers, and the people that had to deal with that were the Idaho Fish and Game Department. And so, they decided that the way they're going to deal with it is they're going to kill a whole bunch of elk because apparently we're over objective. That was in quotations since you can't see me over objective mm -hmm. to the elk. And so they're sending. So their, their idea is that they're going to send all these hunters to this one place. And I'm getting phone calls like you, like I thought it was a joke the other day. This guy called me from Georgia and drew a map to my favorite Canyon on earth. I thought it was a buddy screwing with me. Like, oh my gosh. Hey, this is where I don't, I know you live in Idaho. I don't know where you live. The guy was super nice. Like just want to go hunting. Like I'm, I'm cool with it. Totally cool with the phone call. But it was just so odd. Like I'm going to drive up this Canyon park at this trailhead, hike over the top. We rented llamas. This is where we're going. What do you think? It's like, Holy shit. Are you kidding me? Like, how did that just happen? But point, my point of this whole thing is, is that, People are calling the Idaho Fishing Game or the Colorado Division of Wildlife or whatever, and they're they're giving the same information to ten guys every day because they want all the elk killed in this area, and they figure the best way to kill all these elk is to send five thousand guys there. Here's my advice, my number one piece of advice: if you want to come to Idaho hunting, look at the harvest statistics. In the harvest statistics, 
it tells you you can break it down into archery, into mug, the rifle, into muzzleloader, and there's 50 un- or however many units there is, and each one tells you how many bow hunters are in there. So you can find all these areas that are uh, at objective, over objective, whatever. There's so many units with less hunters right now that you're going to up your odds so much by going to an area that even if it has less elk, but most of them have good objectives on elk and 100 bow hunters compared to 800 in the unit where they're trying to send you. I can't. Yeah, I completely agree. And and then go back to the same damn spot year after year and start learning it inside and out. Um, Being a gypsy hunter going from, you know, chasing greener grass. I just don't think it's going to do you any good in the long run. No, it isn't, man. It's, and it's just like you can go to – you've hunted Idaho a lot. Like most of the units, like, yeah, there's a big bull in most every unit. But most guys don't care about a big bull. Most guys want to just kill a bull. And so every unit there is that you can hunt in in Idaho pretty much is capable of producing the bull that most guys are happy with. And so like you said, like – Go, go to a unit, figure it out, hunt your ass off every year in the same unit, and I would guess you'll probably start killing elk more than you will trying to jump around and, you know, so-and-so shot a 350 bull in the Smoky Mountain Zone. Well, big deal. That bull's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think guys are jumping around chasing them, and, I mean, we I'm guilty of it as anybody. You know what I mean? I, I want to go good, to good places, but I can look back over my hunting career and most every bull I've killed has been right where I know in my home turf, you know? Yeah. So, and even when, even when all the people show up, I know how to hunt it. And those guys don't. And so that's what it's about is knowing how to kill elk in your area. Okay. So these guys, like they, they're, they say they're coming to Idaho. They need to understand a couple of things about Idaho. And because my Idaho and your Idaho are night Fast. and day. you could probably afford to bring binoculars i don't ever bring binoculars when i hunt in idaho and i hunt north idaho and i will just say units one through nine is nothing but dense timber steep country full of alders and huckleberry brush for days where you live and it's just vastly you got huge valleys with private land everywhere and then you got stunning mountain peaks on both sides of the valley floor. Open country. You got sage. There's no sage where I'm at. Stuff like that. I mean, we're talking just so when you look at Idaho, there's desert. I mean, you got Frank Church Wilderness. You got so many options. You know, you really just need to hone in on one area that's probably going to suit your style. If you like calling and you don't mind having an elk come in at 10 yards and you can't get a shot, North Idaho's for you. If you're more of a backcountry and you got glass and you don't mind, you know, pounding some miles out and covering some pretty big country, then I think the southeast Idaho might be for you or central Idaho where you get kind of a hybrid mix of the two or even then you go down to the desert and the and all that stuff. So people need to understand the difference. Idaho is very, very vast, different countries. So is Montana. Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, Montana's well, it's the same thing. That northwest corner is just like your guys' stuff. And, you know, you get down the southwest corner and it's just, you know, that's the kind of stuff I just, I love it. And it's because where I'm from, though, you know, I love the high desert transitioning into timber. You know, I like big open sagebrush ridges with timber pockets and mm-hmm. granite peaks. It's just what I'm into because I've been in, it's what I've done my whole life, you know. But, and I know how to hunt it. You know, I go up, I mean, I could, I can hunt bulls where you live. I mean, I, I wouldn't be probably as successful as, as you guys are, but I, I know how to call elk, you know? And so 
I mean, but it's just, I'm not into it as much, but that doesn't mean I don't want to do it. It's just when I seek out, seek out country in Montana, I'm seeking out the stuff that I'm used to here. No doubt. So. And if I lived closer, if I could get to your country, I'd go to your country probably over mine. But there, I have a love for brush bowls too. I mean, I just love doing that. It's miserable and I love it. But no matter where you go, it's going to be steep. I think we both can agree with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Idaho is steep. Everybody, everybody thinks it's potato fields, but Idaho was one steep, rugged place. We have some of the most rugged country in the lower 48, no doubt. So. Yeah, definitely. So these guys need to do their research on the stats, find a good area, maybe not the highest elk density, but you can see right there on paper where the less archers are, and that's yep. great information. Okay, so guys are going to get over there, and let's say they can't put boots on the ground. They get there. Um, are you, are you suggesting that they backpack hunt in? Should they hunt off roads? I mean, there's roads, a lot of roads everywhere, at least where I'm at. That just depends. You know, man, I feel like that's the big movement now, you know, it's like, you gotta backpack, you gotta be in the back country, you know, and which is true. It's like, I love the, I love the back country, but I kill a lot of bulls from a day camp too. Oh yes. And so, I mean, oh. and so I, I mean, I, I've killed like, I'm not, I've never been one to say that I kill all my bulls backpack and I've killed way more bulls from a base camp with my camp trailer or a nice wall tent that I have on a backpack hunt. Oh, and yeah. it's just, it, but I mean, I feel like a lot of these guys, especially that haven't been out here, they come out and they strap a backpack onto their back. Like I met some guys last year, just sit at the trailhead. They sat there for a couple of days. Like they'd been back, they got, they showed up backpacked in and it just destroyed them. <laughs> you know, and, and they were just like sitting there and, and the guys, I mean, they were tough. But it's just, it's a lot to do. So, I mean, if you want to strap a backpack on and take off, more power to you. But you don't have to do it. It's not, I mean, if you can come to Idaho and you can just hunt from your nice camp and you can eat steak every night if you want to. And, and yeah, I mean, it's just, guys got to decide what they want to do. But the, the hardest part now is that there is this big backcountry movement. I don't know if you're, if you're noticing it, but all these backcountry places are getting pretty damn full of backpack backcountry hunters. And so the last thing I want to see when I'm 10 miles from a trailhead with my camp on my back is more tents. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of nowadays. Oh, so. I couldn't agree more. And so the, what we've done is, you know, and my go-to hunt is North Idaho when I can't draw anything is I will hunt off of a dirt bike and find areas where it's just single track dirt bike trails. That'll help get me past some guys. And if I don't hunt there, I'll hunt out of a truck, no joke, but I'll just wake up earlier and I'll just bugle off ridges or I'll make sure I find a bull to hunt the night before. But uh, I was listening to Paul Medell from the Elk Nut Dude and he doesn't ever hunt from a backpack. He always hunts from a truck. And who knows how many elk between him and Paul Jr. that they've killed. I mean, probably 60, maybe more elk in Idaho hunting out of a truck. So don't be afraid yeah. to hunt from a truck. I mean, we're not talking road hunting, but we're talking just park your truck and hike in from right there, get up into the elevation where the elk are at. Yeah. Find them talking. You know, that's a deal. Like I can, a lot of the places that I do backpack, I can day hunt. It's just, I just think it's easier a lot of times, you know, when that, that three to five mile, six, seven mile range, like you can day hunt all of it, but it's just, you got to hike to and from it every day. So a lot of times it's just easier to backpack, but like I said, it, you can do it. I kill, I killed a bull last year in Idaho. No joke. I, we came to town. 
my dad and I had been hunting for several days from our base camp. We came to town. We're driving back to our camp, and I, we were down low, like not low. It was still, but compared to where we'd been hunting, it was probably about six or about 7,000 feet out in the kind of more open sagebrush, and there'd just been nobody hunting down there. I threw my binoculars up. It was six in the evening, spotted a nice five point up on the hill, and I'm like, I think I can kill that bull. Hour later, I had a dead bull. Hmm. From my pickup, you know, I spotted him, went up the hill and killed him. And, and there's a there's a lot of elk in Idaho. There's a lot of elk in Montana. There's a lot of elk in Colorado. A lot of elk in Oregon, you know. And and you don't gotta you don't gotta be 15 miles from the road to hunt them. So. No doubt, man. So these guys that are coming, they're new. Um, let's talk about just archery elk and like some of the non-negotiables when it comes to a bow setup. Maybe get into gear a little bit with your knowledge. Like, what are just some things that, yeah, that's a cool thing, but that's not going to be applicable for elk. Do you have some ideas of what I'm talking about? Like, just non-negotiables, things that you just, gear that does not change. Man, heavy arrows is one thing I don't negotiate on. So, I just, as far as gear goes, like, I just see so many guys are so worried about, you know, 320 feet per second arrows, and it's like, I don't care about that elk are big animals and i want a lot of weight you know i i usually hunt with about a 470 480 grain arrow um i want it to drive through elk no matter what angle i shoot it at and uh that's one thing you know you hear guys well, i shot one i hit it perfect and like no you didn't <laughs> you know if if you hit elk perfect you know as well as i do they don't go very far no they don't so, yeah i have the same grains 470 470 and change and uh that's a non-negotiable what about yeah. um sites so i posted something the other day on my insta story and i've gotten messages from people like i wasn't asking for advice i just pulled them hey if you have a 25 or 35 yard shot do you split your pins or do you aim high aim low with one pin and i got a bunch of direct messages from dudes saying i use the exact yardage i have a slider and i'm just like you know what that's cool but i used to be that guy until i started elk hunting i don't use a slider single pin slider on elk i do not do it because it happens fast I need pins that are fixed. I have a slider that I can slide yep. from 50 down, but I don't. I want 20, 30, 40, 50 fixed because stuff happens fast. Um, I, shoot a, I shoot a three-pin slider, but I haven't had a 20-yard pin in 15 years. Yeah, so your top pin is like a 25 pin. I have. I shoot top pin 30. It's all I ever do. Okay, that'll get yeah. it done every time. Yeah, especially on elk. I'm, I'm I'm a little more careful on like when I'm hunting mule deer or antelope, and I, I make sure I aim a little bit low. But on elk, at thirty, if it's if it's zero to thirty, well, my and people are probably gonna crucify me on this. But on an elk, basically, if it's zero to forty with my top pin, it's gonna be in the kill zone on an elk. That's just it is. I mean, they're big. They're big vitals. They do. So, are you a big guy? I, I i'm yeah i'm like i'm six two what's so. your draw length i only shoot 29 that's still that's that's that arrow's getting some yeah so. and so i shoot you know a 470 grain arrow at about 280 285 feet a second and so i mean the only time it seems like you know when you're super close it's going to be fine that 20 yards you know i'm a little bit high but it's on an elk it is i'll, I'll aim heart on an elk at 20 that's basically what i do and it's it's money every time so are you, you more know, like a born and raised outdoors bugle a thousand times a day until you find no. the right bull are you more like no. Corey jacobson maybe bugle half that but still quite a bit of calling or even I less do quite, i do quite a bit of calling but i just 
I basically just move through the woods, but I don't just bugle like, I, I guess it's hard to explain. Like I move through the woods and set up, you know, when you, when I see the right sign or I, you know, I smell elk or it just that when I'm just cold calling when it's early in the season, like I just hit, that's one of those deals with time we're talking about. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just, you come to a spot and you're like, yeah, this, I need to call this spot. Like, and, or, you know, I don't know how many times I've been like, man, I should call this spot right here, but man, I'd really like to get 10 yards further. And I take two steps and blow a bull out. You know, it's just, I kind of just move through and I cold. I mean, obviously when the bulls are ripping, I just chase bulls and, um, I dog the hell out of them. But, um, that's where the time comes in for that. I can't like stress enough for these guys and, and just knowing how to talk to them when they're bugling, you know, or, or, you know, sometimes like sometimes they're screaming and you can get away with anything. And sometimes they just bugle a little bit and you just need to, you got to check their temperature and just keep moving in on them and call accordingly. And, but as far as cold calling, I just move through the timber and, and, or if I, you know, I, like a lot of times I like to get up high on the spot. I don't hunt even, I do hunt evenings a lot, but a lot of evenings I just sit too and get ready for the next morning, you know? And so then I just, I know I can get right in on that spot and I'll just call through that spot and hit the right spots. And it's just, it's a, it's time, man. It's, it's so hard for people. I, I can't imagine hunting seven days a year. I can't imagine it. It's just elk knowledge. I want to hone in on what you said there. Evenings are cool, but mornings are magical. Mornings are the one thing that I want to hammer home on. Yep. Mornings are Christmas. You get up every morning. You should be excited to go open presents. You don't know what's going to happen, but you have all damn day to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. if you were to ever be that guy that slept in or hit snooze because you maybe had an extra long pack out or whatever the cause, you helped somebody get a bull out the night before and you're, I'm going to sleep tomorrow morning. Dude, you cannot do that. I, if you are as hungry for success as I am, as you are, you cannot squander a moment in the mornings or everything when it comes to elk hunting, at least in my opinion. Man, I know guys and they're like, well, how can you kill elk? I'm like, dude, you slept in half the days. That's why. Like... Every time I've ever slept in in September, I've never forgave myself the next day. Like, I'll sleep in next month, man. <laughs> it's it's go time right now. So And even mornings are kind of tricky. You know, a lot of times they're bugling and moving, and it's hard to get in front of them, and your chances are you really need to wait for them to get to their bed. But for me personally, I would at least like to know where they were bedded, where they went. And if you're yep. in your sleeping bag, you're not going to find that information out. Yeah. I mean, I definitely kill some bulls in the evening. I've tried to kill I don't know, four or five in the evening, but I've killed most of my bulls about 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, it's like when I finally, like, it's exactly what you said, you're chasing them in the morning, you finally get to where they're at, they're kind of starting to slow down, and I've, most of them I chase to where they're getting ready to slow down and bed down, I call them in and kill them. That's where most of it happens. That's so. awesome. So being mobile is super important. Being in shape is important. What are you doing for your fitness, man? I know that you've been really ramping up this year. You said you're on a diet. What What are you doing on, on that end of things? So I've been like, I try to keep in shape. For some reason this winter, I put on a little extra weight. But uh, I I uh, I started doing that stupid keto diet. <laughs> and so, which is surprisingly like, I'm not doing it right because, you know, that keto is like all fat. But one thing I have done is, is I mostly cut out all the sugar and all the, you know, I'm I'm eating carbs, but I'm eating mostly a lot of vegetables and, and good meats and stuff. And, and so I'm just not 
eating tons of sugar and stuff. And so I've lost quite a bit of weight. I've lost like 34 pounds. I think today was 34 pounds. Um, but, um, I've always been a runner, even being a big dude, I've always been a runner and I, but I've been battling tendonitis real bad this summer. And so, uh, in my right knee. And so, I mean, and I don't know if you've ever had tendonitis, but I thought I blew my knee out. I'd went on a, I'd went on a, like a, oh, it was like, I'd been running for a couple of weeks and I went on like a three and a half mile run that evening and I came home the next day. I actually went camping the next day and I was like, man, I feel like my knee, you know, the next day I couldn't walk and went by Monday, I literally couldn't bend my knee. And so I went and the doctor, they got me some steroids and stuff and got, got that down. And then I went like a nine mile, got him, got it healed up like two weeks later, went on like a nine mile hike, put some trail cameras out way up high same thing just hammered me again had to go back on another steroid pack and so part of that i think is just i well one thing i'm pushing 40 and got yeah. put a, put a little you know 20 extra pounds on this winter and i'm already a big guy you know and so i usually surprise people that I, i'm as mobile as i am in the hills i'm not obese but i'm just a big dude you know mm-hmm. and so um but i'm just trying to get that weight off i've been lifting weights a ton um been riding my bicycle just trying to do everything i can because I haven't been able to run. And so, but as you know, in your profession, diet is probably 90% of it, honestly. Unfortunately, true. Unfortunately. And so I'm finally, I feel like I kind of got a grasp on that and um, getting, doing that. And, you know, went on a big hike this weekend. And so I'm just an active dude. I hike a lot, you know, I play sports and, and just, just I'm always doing something. I'm always in the mountains, and I think that that attributes a lot to it. I hike a lot, you know. I got big calves, and but it's also mental. That's what you know. No matter what happens, if it, it's mental, so yeah. So between the ear reps, what do you do to like? And we've talked about this other guests, but I'm always interested to hear everyone's take on mental toughness reps. I don't think anyone's born mentally tough. I think it takes reps, and yep. I think it takes consistent reps like what do you, what things are you doing that's uncomfortable that requires discipline but you're doing it in the name of better elk hunting as far as physically sure man just going and lifting weights five nights a week when i don't want to yeah so i've never been a weightlifter at all like i've never been into it but um i i just it's one of those deals like i've i've kind of come to realize the last couple of years like a lot of my hunting buddies are they're getting old or they you know my dad obviously he's he's 30 years older than me. So yeah, he's pushing 70, but, um, even my other hunting buddies, they're just, they just don't want to do the stuff that I do now, you know? And it's just a lot of it's cause they're not active throughout the year. And I just decided I have a strong desire to do these things for a long time. Yeah. That's and, your why. And, and, and I, and I have a stronger desire all the time to go to places I've never been and go further than I've ever been. And so, I understand that muscle mass is a big part of that, that I need to keep muscle mass on, you know? And so I've been, I've been really focused on lifting, uh, and I don't enjoy it, but I have kind of got to where I, you know, midday, I'm like, man, I'm kind of excited to go lift weights that night. (laughs) And so, so yeah, that's just the main thing is just, is, is the weightlifting and the cardio deal, um, the running stuff, that's what's been my struggle is I just can't, I can't freaking do it right now just because of my knee. And so I've been riding my bike and and hiking when I can, but I don't dare strap on a fifty pound pack and hike up a mountain yet. I mean, Are you worried about that at all coming up? This is yeah, I am. Season? I'm really worried about it, you know. But I, I I think I might have one thing figured out on my knee 
probably you don't care, but no, I've been I do, wearing actually, man. I love this stuff. You know, you know what Hoka's are the shoes. Yeah. So I bought a pair of Hoka's last summer, um, and I, as I was like, talking to Cody Kellum because Cody, you know, his feet are always trashed, and I was like, because Cody's a big dude, I'm like, what shoes? And he says, try Hoka's, and so I bought some of those. I love the shoes, but I have a tendency to walk on the outside of my feet. And what I think has happened is I think I broke – those hokas have that really really thick sole on them. I think I kind of broke down those hokas, and I think what was happening was I was walking on the outside of those, and that padding was allowing my knee to track at the wrong angle. Yeah. My doctor thinks my knee is tracking bad. And so I'm not – I got a new pair of shoes. I'm not wearing those. I've been wearing my – like I put my – I wore my Crispy Summits this weekend on our backpacking trip, and they felt great. And so – I'm just not going to get do anything super crazy, but yeah, I'm worried about doing a 15 miler on my elk hunt and have my knee go to crap on me, but it's going to be what it is. I'm going to power through it. So yeah, you know, you got time, um, from a, from a physio standpoint, everything does start from the ground up, unfortunately. And you're talking to a guy who like, I broke my, the toe, I guess the little toe next to your big toe, I broke that elk hunting one year, didn't know it, but it won't straighten out. And it's actually, I have to tape it down now. It's just permanently kind of up in the air a little bit, but it really affects my knee. And unfortunately, it's on the knee that I don't have an ACL, never got it repaired. Just kind of scheduled surgery after elk season, but stayed in the gym, never had to have the surgery. Just avoid surgery if you can, obviously. And yeah, um, the thing that a physical therapist would probably have you do is silly little glute activation exercises. You can Google them, but like mini band walks or monster walks, all these little annoying movements that are going to fire your glute, your glute medius, your middle glute, will get that thing firing. Usually you'll feel your pain at the knee, but the root cause will be at the hips and it's kind of a weakness of glutes and then like the shoes, getting the right footwear. And you have time. You definitely have time to check that out and to like integrate that in right before you lift. Just do some mini band walks and you can pick up a mini band almost anywhere online and and it'll it'll work. You should try it. I definitely think it will yeah, work and I will cuz man I'm like I'm going into this monster season and, and like one thing I have is just like well 2007 I can tell you exactly what it was. 2007 it was September 30th. It was a it I hadn't killed an elk yet. I went I went to Alaska that fall and I shot a caribou and I came home and I hunted my ass off. I missed a bull. But it was the last day of the season. It was in like four inches of snow. It was horrible, crappy. And we were sitting on top of this one ridge. And I looked across. And there was like a couple bulls bugling over there. And I didn't go. Oh, and you've regretted it ever since, correct? I, did, I didn't go. And I was like, I walked off that mountain that day. And I, and, I, and I wasn't in as good a shape as I should have been in. And I thought, man, never again am I going to walk away from a bull when I have a chance to hunt it. 2015 so, Arizona late season archery. I hiked like 12 or 13 miles to this canyon, and it was just about getting dark. And this probably 320 bull broke off, comes out of nowhere right below me in the bottom of this canyon. And I had just climbed up out of that canyon. I don't know how I didn't bump him, but he's just feeding right there. And I just made like the 1200 foot ascent, and I had like yep. 30 minutes of daylight. And I was like, on day seven or eight, I'd already had an opportunity at a bull. I just couldn't get a shot. And we're talking my last couple of days there. And some for this day, I didn't. I'm like, man, I just don't have enough time, which I should have at least tried 
because the wind was great. He was there feeding on his own. And all I had to do, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm just going to hike another 1,200 feet up out in the dark. And I didn't go after him. And it's the first thing I thought of when you said that. And I regret it. So, dude, no regrets. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You'll never get it back. Yeah. That winter, man, I hammered it out. And in 2008, I killed two six-point bulls. So, And in 2009, I killed two six-point bulls. So it's just like, it, it just... Man, it was just like never again. It's never going to happen again. So until you make that mistake, you don't know what you're, you know. You don't really know the price you were paying by yeah. not doing that. You should have gone, but yeah, it worked out. Months, you got eleven months to think about it once you walk off the hill. Yeah, so. you do, and it's forever. Well, man, we got to wrap this thing up. I got to go to bed. Um, I do want to talk about really quick. I talk about this with everybody who's blue collar, do it yourself, has family, has kids, has a normal job. Dude, how do you? How do you handle finances to allow yourself to hunt all these places? What are you doing? What are your successful practices that are you know that we could hone in on and maybe integrate in our lives? And financial wise, yeah, when it comes to getting to afford these hunts or stashing the cash so you can put the gas in your rig and go to Utah and Montana and Idaho. Well, fortunately for me, that like I have a like as of right now, I have a regular job and all my um, that pays all the bills, you know what I mean? And my wife works, you know, but so fortunately for me, all my writing, that's, that's how I've been. Like I didn't hunt out of state all the time until I started doing that, you know, but I just, it's one of those deals. Like almost all of us can find extra work. You know, I find we, I find extra work and it's, that's, it's honestly like you, I, I go to Montana, well, Montana, I guess that's kind of expensive tag, but like I go hunt in Colorado every year for $1,200. Any one of us can come up with $1,200. This doesn't matter how bad you want it. Yeah. And so, so you do side hustle jobs. Yeah, I do takes. side work. I, I do whatever it takes to go hunting. I mean, and, and now that I have my riding gig, it's a little easier just because I can, you know, it's a little easier to make a thousand or a couple thousand bucks here or there. But regular guy, man, I just, I take another job. If <laughs> that's, that, that's what I had to do, that's what I would do. So you it's just, straight, you would, I mean, seriously, you got 11 months, go work a side gig, stash that cash yep. and don't yep. show up to September and be limited by finances. Everyone's budget is relative. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I can't afford a landowner tag, but some guys can, cause it's like the same percentage of money that they spend on hunting. They just make way more. So it's all about yep. like, coming up with creative ways to get some extra income and hopefully you can find something you love like you are a phenomenal writer you love doing it and you can get paid to do it and stash that money for your hunts i think that's awesome you don't go on an elk hunt in your lifetime and you're a bow hunter you're doing yourself a big disservice so i'd figure it out Definitely. that's all i'm saying so it's a it's a thrill of a lifetime i love mule deer i love it all but man there ain't nothing like chasing elk in the mountains. Definitely. So. Zach, if we lived closer, I'm quite certain we'd be buddies. We'd be shooting bows together and, and telling, right. telling big lies. Um, where can people find your website, follow you on social, and just keep up to date with what you got going on? So, yeah, we, we're we working on our website. We got it down right now, working on it. But, yeah, it says hunt underscore DIY on Instagram and then hunt DIY on Facebook. And, yeah, hit me up. Anything you need, just let me know. I'm always open to open answer questions for people or give out any information I can. Well, you're a good dad for taking your daughter out, investing that time. To me, that's the coolest stuff you've told to us tonight is that you're making time for your daughter to get her hooked. And um, oh man, it's been a blast. They, it's it's 
it's like starting over. I've had so much fun with these kids. It's not even funny. So yeah, I am smiling here and you say that. So we'll have a great week and I uh, really wish you well in Utah and I will pick your brain at another time on how Sounds it went good, and, uh, you're going to crush it brother. Hope that knee heals up. Look up some of that stuff I talked about and uh, we'll drop this in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Have a great night.